Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the MobileCast. I'm your host, Brian Katz. Pleasure to sit here with Randall Macon, the CTO and co-founder of Red Eye Apps out of Brisbane, Australia. Randall, Randall, introduce yourself. Thanks, Brian. Um, Yeah, Red Eye Apps is a a cloud-based engineering data management platform. Uh, We found a problem in Australia and we started to solve it and we pretty quickly turned into a, a global solution. So... So explain what that means. You know, you just you said a cloud engineer, you know, and I've seen it. So and it's actually very cool. And there's some elements of other stuff that you know. I called you a CMS. Other people, you know, some people might think of you sort of like a Dropbox, but you, you do a lot more. So explain what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Great question, bro. What, what was the problem you were trying to solve? So, so I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'll go back to. Um, in 20 years of engineering across projects in Australia and some of them into, into uh, East Asia, uh, we found as the projects got bigger, the time to find engineering data and put it in the hands of the people that use that data was getting longer and longer. Uh, so we thought, hang on, this, is, this seems to be a problem. We, it was a recurring thing and we started to measure how long it took for people to put the engineering data in the hands of the people that needed it to do their daily job. We were really surprised that the average time for that was 14 minutes. So these guys are touching these drawings 10 or 15 times a day sometimes. If the average time is that, you know, there's a whole bunch of, lo- a whole bunch of lost, lost time and lost productivity. And, and so what the types of things we're talking about is architectural blueprints. Architectural blueprints, schematics, electrical, electrical diagrams, plumbing diagrams, telecommunication diagrams, the stuff that people use to do their job. Uh, there's some, some information we're gathering around 3D models in the marketplace. They look good, but people generally don't pick up a 3D model or use a 3D model yet to, to do their job. So we're talking again. It's engineering, you know. So construction fields, those types of things, architecture, you name it, um, and you know, certainly public works, any of those sorts of things. You're an electrician. Those are the types of things we're talking about. And you gave me a really interesting stat when you walked me through the demonstration. Um, that essentially, there are I think what you say five point four copies of every document. On average, so a, a typical asset owner, uh, a large mining company or a, a utility, a water utility, a power utility, um, typically they have 5.4, on average they have 5.4 copies of every piece of engineering data. So the drawing has 5.4 time copies. So what that means in, in playing out is that the person working on that document may have his own copy but it's fairly it's only a 20% chance that that's the copy that the other people are going to collaborate on as well so lots of people do the right thing in their daily job but but because it's not a mechanism or a solution to help them collaborate on that single source of the truth uh, you know that information is lost so the more information you can gather and stick to the drawings along the way who uses it what their role was how long they looked for it it adds value to that all the time so one way to look at this is, and I apologize for putting it this way, you're almost an engineering Dropbox or an engineering to start with. And, you know, you found a problem of it took too long to get certainly paper copies and sometimes electronic copies into people's hands. And you found that there were multiple copies. So if somebody made changes, they didn't necessarily get to the master. Yeah, that's right. And we looked at Dropbox really early in, in, in our uh, solving the solution about if we could use Dropbox. 
and, and, and tailor a solution using that. One of the fundamental problems with a file-based architecture is that it becomes easy for people to take a special copy or a secret copy to do something. And their intentions are good and they, they go and work on something, um, but we found more value for the asset owner if, if they keep that single source of the truth and then share it along the, along the journey. So let's say you're the engineering company doing the design. You design on top of what they have as an existing as-built solution. Or if you're um, a worker out, an engineer out in the field doing, doing some work there as well, you work on that same version. So while the engineering is occurring, you could actually be adding value to that to that as well. So since you're not using a solution like Dropbox, and it's interesting that you looked at, and, and obviously the other ones, we could say Box, we could OneDrive, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And they didn't make, you were looking to originally build on them. So what, how did you design this? Not that I want you to give away the secret sauce, but you know. Really, we designed it by, we started by asking a lot of our clients, did they have the problem? Big, big multinational companies, you know, a Bechtel, um, a BHP, a Shell, those guys, did they have the problem? And they were the people we dealt with in Australia. So resounding, resoundingly people said, yeah, we have the problem. And we sort of asked, look, if you wanted to solve this problem, what would it look like? And in that discovery phase, you know, people said it's, it's got to be mobile. It's got to be... They didn't say cloud, but they said it's got to be mobile. There has to be a single point of the truth. And in that journey, we started with um, minimum viable products and started to get real data about real data about how people use drawings. And in doing that, we were able to um, make the user experience richer and actually extract more data from it. So um, the secret source isn't that secret. You've heard me, Brian. It's the unsexiest thing in the world to manage engineering drawings and data. Uh, but the secret source is really about finding those duplicates and, and keeping keeping them in check. So at the, the better you are at that, um, then the more value you can create long term. So is it a database back end, a file back end what? Or I shouldn't ask these questions. Y- you should. Um, that's a great question as well. So we um, we typically use um, Amazon as our as our backend cloud premise. Um, we have a file structure, we have a security structure, we have um, all the typical uh, low underlying security mechanisms in, involved there. We have a user permissions layer, we have a workflow layer, and then as we build up, we basically all our apps that sit on top are accessed via an API. So as we as we open up those APIs to more and more industries, we'll maintain the back-end single source of the truth and it'll allow us to collaborate more with people that have an idea to build an app or to um, provide deeper data value out of what they're working on. So let's dig a little bit into the company. How old are you? Uh, we're four and a half years old. And I think you mentioned to me you've done an Australian A round, which is about a half A round. Yeah, yeah, let's call it an Australian A round. Although I was talking to someone earlier today whose A round was uh, a whisker short of a hundred million, so maybe we. But basically, we we um, found the problem. We showed some clients with an MVP. They were happy to pay for it, so we went cash flow really early on, cash flow positive really early on in our cycle, which is. No, very uncommon, I guess, is the right way to say it, for most startups to be cash flow positive that early. It is. It is uncommon. It's, it's probably a typical trait of Australian companies. Um, 
Australian companies are very, uh, or Australian people are very mindful to make money because that's what a business is. Um, the whole concept of, of uh, you know, a Series A, $100 million to solve a problem, we, we don't typically understand how to have that impact. The other thing is our market's so small that we have to have demonstrable value early on in the cycle to demonstrate. So even as an Australian-based company, even if we were to pick up 30% of the local market, it's still, you know, when you go globally, it's still such a small market. But And you have gone globally. So you've now opened offices in, I think, Houston and Palo Alto, if I'm correct? Yeah, Houston and Palo Alto. We also have an office out of uh, Singapore. So we're getting a whole bunch, a whole bunch of additional information in those geographies as well to help us refine the process. Are you are you finding regional differences from those geographies, or more just nuances that you need to? Uh... More nuances about how people use the data. So we're very careful when we when we capture that data that we keep it regionalized because different people want different user experiences based on on what they typically do in the market. So let's dig a little bit deeper into the software because you did a demo for me and actually I brought a fellow CTO who, you know, used to be a CTO for a construction company. He looked at it and he, he loved it. So let's talk about some of the features. You can certainly track forms, but you have, you can comment, you can collaborate. You did some cool overlay stuff, some AR stuff. So why don't you walk us through some of those features? Yeah, okay. Um I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So uh, as we upload data into RedEye, we've got a really cool engine for detecting duplicates and, um, and cleaning that out. Um, now, if you think about that from a, from a wholesale level, um, it seems easy and technical people will go, oh, yeah, just do an e-tag or an MD5. But actually what we found was that that was the easy part. The hard part is I've got revision A, revision B, and revision C of that. So getting those in order is actually a really technically complicated problem. Um, and once you get them, get them organised in that way, uh, keeping them organised as well is, is really valuable. So then typically as a worker, you can look at the latest version of the drawing. And let's say something's not making sense to you or you think, oh, that's a bit different. You can jump back through, have a look at the history and see what's happened over the life of that asset. Maybe, maybe something changed, they changed that valve because it, it didn't work on the day. Um, but just having that history there and putting that information in the hands of the workforce, those guys can then make a lot better decisions, a lot faster decisions. So, uh, look, I, always, I like to quote um, Colin Pearson from ABB who said, the most common thing is not is operator error that causes loss of loss of money to companies. You know, that's what hits the balance sheet. Someone an operator makes an error. It's not an operator mistake, it's an error because he didn't have the right information at the right time. So if your typical engineering data management system is serving you up information in fourteen minutes, you're not you're not going to look up the phone book if it takes fourteen minutes to find the phone number. So that's that speed of finding the data and putting it in the hands of the guy and letting him actually do the right thing at the right time. So let's take some, let's take an electrician for example and walk through what they first of all what the app looks like, how they get what they're looking at, and then walk through some of the things that they can actually do with it. Okay, so an if ele- you prefer a pipe fitter or something else, feel free. I just no, no, I'm an electrical engineer, so I'll go with electrician. Um, 
So typically, I, I, I like that. It, it takes an odd say. I'm an electrical engineer, so I'll go with an electrician. You know, that's like you know, I, I I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, I'll go with you know, I, I won't even go there. I, I'm not going to insult people. I, I can't. Do, I like you insult yourself there. You're deprecating there. Look, it's only a, it's only a garden ornament until you hook up the sparks. <laughs> um, so typically, an electrician would would. Um, before he went to site, maybe investigate where he was going. So he made sure he had the right tooling or the right equipment, something like that. Um, and then when he's on site, sets up there with his iPad or iPhone. Uh, the geolocation techniques show him only the few drawings that are relevant for him. Relevant for him. So we have this goal of zero search. Um, the interface is really consumer simple looking. Um, we have a goal, again, of, of zero training, so that's why we rely really heavily on consumer-type interfaces, things that you see typically in Facebook and LinkedIn uh, that, that you don't need to train a guy with. Then as he gets to site, he sees the drawings. He goes, oh, maybe this isn't right, or I'm going to change this. He can mark it up with a red pen. He can take a record of what he did by um, by embedding a photo over top of the drawing. So... To be honest, that really has got a lot of traction here. People sort of saw that simple, okay, that's a simple implementation of something that can really add value to the workforce. And, and I got to say, when you showed that to me yesterday, I found that interest, just interesting and cool that you can take a picture of before, after, or of a particular piece and actually embed it as part of the drawing or the uh, engineering data that you're looking at. Yeah, that's right. And it gives it context as well. So, you know, you asked a little bit about the secret source. If someone takes a photo of something, we capture the geo tag at the time and who who it was, and that helps you actually serve that drawing up next time to the other to the next person that's in that area. Um, the other thing that that he can then submit any changes he did to um, to his supervisor through the workflow engine. So, um, basically, if he makes a change hits the submit button real time his supervisor <coughs> excuse me his supervisor would would look at that um, and then say oh I might even give him a call or message him and say oh, I don't think you should solve that that way or um, or that's okay to or go too late it. I saw the picture take that piece out put <laughs> something else in yeah so there's some other anecdotal evidence that's really powerful and, and, and nice stories about it I had um, a draft, a draftsman, a designer that come to me um, and he said, oh, you know, I just hate red eye. And it's like, man, what do you mean you hate red eye? You use it all the time. And he said, for the first time in my career, I've realised all the things I've been doing wrong. I've been doing things, seeing them out to be constructed. The construction guys are consistently changing it because I didn't know. I thought what I was doing was right. So he's like, oh, I've got that feedback. So he didn't really dislike it. It was just... His he, way of saying he got the feedback loop now, so it was really powerful for him. He disliked the experience of he didn't know everything, and he was learning. <laughs> That's true. And he's a 20-year-old guy, like a guy been doing it for 20 years, a senior guy I've got a lot of respect for, but that sort of feedback is... Um, is no, that, that really makes a lot of sense, because when you have that type of feedback, it's real-time, and... I've seen it before where people go out to do something and say, you just can't use that material where we are. It doesn't work. What, you know, a certain concrete mix or something else, and it, it's too human here for you. It's not going to set right. There are going to be other problems. And that feedback never gets back to the person who's doing whether it's an architect, whether it's an engineer, draftsman, whatever the piece of data. 
and it's cool that you can actually take that data. It feeds back the feedback loop. Now, you have another feature there, and I, I want to call it AR type, where you can actually overlay it. Tell us a little bit about that. It, it, um, it's a pretty cool feature just to help you um, help you in a lot of engineering drawings actually relate to the real world. So you can use the AR function to, to, to actually mark and pull out parts of the, of the drawing and say this is actually what it is. So that then provides that, that second layer of um, ratification as what, you'd, what you've done and, and more context around the drawing. Now, to be fair here, Randall's really not explaining this well because he, he showed this to me yesterday. You, so, for example, you go to a junction box and you have an electrical drawing of what the junction box should look like. You press, you press a control on the plan and using the camera from the tablet or the phone, it now makes all the white space transparent. All you do is see what's supposed to be in there and you can actually hold it up and make sure that everything matches. You're looking at the iPad, and the iPad through the camera is looking at the junction box in this example, and you can see all the pieces. Are they laid out correctly? Are the right things there? Are the right pieces there? You, know, you mentioned if you're doing a pipe fitting thing and it's the wrong valve, you can actually see that, the, you know, wait a second, I'm supposed to have this valve here, and you can actually mark it up on, on the AR. So, you know, this is wrong. i got to change it. Let me double check, send it back, and it's very, very cool. Hopefully, it's really simple and easy easy to use as well. Um, we typically don't like to over-talk things, so <laughs> it's, the implementation of it has been really, um, really cool to see. So a lot of the times in the field, in both construction and maintenance activities, people do a job and need some as-building done where they, where they cross off against what they've actually done. There's always little changes. So people have started using that functionality to send back to um, their design team. The designer guys are a lot faster at, at, at doing the changes than what the guy in the field is. So that's why we've kept really simple tools for him. Well, they have pens and pencils and you know, AutoCAD and everything else versus they actually have to go get the piece, put it in, and do the work. Yeah, yeah. So... The, the guy, the design guys, they also are, uh, connect like a, a checkpoint as well. So if a design has changed, as I said earlier, the, the design guys can then go, oh, I've been doing that wrong for 20 years, and they can make the change on the fly. The other thing they can do is say, actually, that's not the best way to solve this problem, or if you do that, it will have an impact on other parts of the system that the, the guy in the field may not know. So just that whole collaboration piece where people start to work together just adds value. So that just brings to thought, do you include a real-time chat function, or, a way, or, does it, or does the designer get it or whoever you're sending to, and they now have to pick up the phone? How, how are you doing that, or you haven't done it yet, you're looking to incorporate it? Yeah, so we, we've written up the scope for that, um, so we'll be rolling that out in the next quarter. So, Very cool, because so, I can see it making sense. Make a change, and you know, now you can have that conversation. I, I'm going to guess that maybe, I don't know, to me... I was a mechanical engineer at one point. I could see you eventually wanting to do some real-time pieces with that of someone makes a change on the drawing, that person can then say, well, wait, here's this piece here that, you know, so the collaboration. Not- Notifications are real-time. Um, we've been capturing the typical comments in the system, and it's something that we can do better. So we have a commenting system, and 
what we want to do is stick those chats to the relevant place on the drawing as well. You can imagine a valve gets changed. If there's a communication around that and people are asking why you're changing it or um, it's been, perhaps it's blown out or it's failed, I'm going to put a bigger valve in, all those conversations you can stick in there so that next time someone does the design, they can actually go and, and have not just a, a text file with a whole bunch of words in it, but the in-context words that says, you know, we were talking about this this function or this feature at the time and that's that's how we solved it very cool now looking at that is it ios only is it what, what sort of devices do you work on because you mentioned ipad and iphone so um we have a we use um android as well as as ios because we have to create solutions um inside both platforms to so that people in the entire workforce can use it yeah I, the reason i asked the question is i can see some you know i would think that if you're on a construction site you'd want a rugged device which either means you take an ios and put it in an otter box or something else or there are some beautiful android devices that are made for you know rugged being out on site uh here at mwc you know that you and i are at uh there's the cat 60 that just came out which is a th- uh, phone with a thermal camera which I think it'll be interesting when someone uses that with your system and you start seeing those pictures end up in there. Yeah, um, so all those things just add value to your engineering data as well. So we're pretty agnostic with what we do. Um, just in terms of what we see typically in Australia, there's more people using the iOS platform in the, in the, um, in the industrial and enterprise environment. So um, we do support... Other, other platforms as well, but that's just the one we typically see more usage of. And what type of documents? You know, we've been talking, you know, there's a piece of this that's a document management system, obviously. Uh, what type of documents do you handle? Obviously, CAD drawings, and I'll start with there. Yeah, so we're really agnostic around CAD files. I think we render about 230 different types of CAD files. Um, the way we do it is, is we store that CAD file and render an image for the user. So um, your CAD data is really safe. So it, and, and then only certain people at certain times in the workflow can access that data. So an editor would check it out and check it back in at, the, at that point. Um, look, we'll talk about the future for a moment. It's really likely that uh, CAD files will be edited on device um, as in uh, someone would have an opportunity to mark it up to, to, to change the CAD file in the field. Um, we're really not seeing that use case that much yet. Um, I think the power may be in, if you look at the new devices, the power may be in the devices. I don't know that the skill or the people who want to do it uh, are on the job site. It, and that's, that's our focus, yeah? We wanted to keep the tools that the guy uses on the, on the site really simple, really intuitive and easy to use and the design guys have a whole bunch of additional tools that they can use in the office with the support structure that goes with that so with yeah. their auto yeah so if you're in the office it'll work on a pc it'll work on a mac yeah, yeah. whatever you need it to work on yeah so you do cat files what other type of files um we do um other documents um word documents um lots of text doc any text-based stuff PDF, anything PDFs, like that all those all those generally generally available documents um, anything that's rendered in image uh, again we're talking a little bit into the future we're, we're pretty sure we'll have uh, a solution around storing configuration files for technical components as well fairly quickly so um, 
think of a, an Ethernet switch, for example, it has a configuration file that is associated with it. We can store that in there as well. So when someone's at that Ethernet switch, let's say it's failed, they can say, hey, I'm here. Oh, here's the, here's the backup of that data. So let's keep talking about futures. Does that mean that you could eventually see this? And just because the way you said that, I could see hooking this up to, for example, some sort of I- IoT intelligent engine and saying, okay, we're seeing this data. We can either attach failure rate data to it, success rate data to it, or it's been changed out or it needs to be changed out. Let's do that and then put, make that drawing available to the person who's showing up. Yeah, that's 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 right. A, a, a predictive failure, and then you can start. We start seeing um, companies that have lots of consistency or, or lots of different versions of things actually drive for consistency, and then they can start say, hey, you know what, device A, that's failing pretty regularly, um, and it's failing in this location. We might try this other device. One sock doesn't fit every foot, um, so you do you like that? <laughs> So you, I was going to say socks are fairly generic, but yes, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, all right, I'll work on my analogies. Um, so if you can draw some conclusions around that, it might be a geo area, it might be that it's on a marine device, it might be that it's in the middle of outback Australia. Um, some things work well, some things don't. So you can start to take that data and make better decisions. So know when you can save money... It, and know when you've got to spend the money on, on more powerful or, or more ruggedized solutions. So it's the, it's the killer kangaroos that get in the way of that construction. Yeah, more the drop bears, I think. They're, they're the ones. And what are those? <laughs> That's, now you have to describe it since I don't know what they are. A drop bear is a fictitious animal that we Australians like to refer to that doesn't actually exist. But Okay. It's kind of like, yeah, when we send our kids on snipe hut. Snake punts when they're young. Yeah, it'll be very similar to that. Yeah. Okay. So, very cool. So, what, what are you guys looking to do in the future? Where um, are you looking to go? What are you looking to add? You mentioned some of the stuff you're doing. So, our future roadmap at the moment, we're very driven by client usage data and the data that we've got. So, it's hard to predict too far into the future. We have a, have a six-month window that we like to drive that data into. Um, our, our goal is to be um, considered the premium engineering data storage solution. So let's say you're a large asset owner and you need to collaborate between um, a logistics company, a form company, um, you've got some design engineers and, and workforce. If all those people can work off that single set of the data, um, that, would be, that would be our sweet spot, our niche, I guess, in the world. Who are your competitors at the moment? I, to be honest, we see... I think probably Box and Dropbox. Uh, People who don't concentrate on, you know, because I don't want to label you as niche. I, I actually see a wide use for you. But I'm going to guess that right now people tend to use file systems, but they're not necessarily looking at the problem you're talking, completely looking at the problem you're talking about or the features. Yeah, we, we think in what, we've, in what we've investigated and discovered, we... we um, we don't really see competition in the space, and I think it's because we have such deep domain expertise. You know, working in the industry for 20, 20 years, myself, my co-founder's also been in the industry for that long, um, and we've, we've a whole bunch of people in our team have come from the place where it takes a long time to get the data to the people. Uh, I don't see that, that 
we'll see competition. I'm sure we will, but the competition um, may not have that deep domain expertise and hasn't got the learning engine that we've got to help us solve the problems quickly and easily. So we like competition. You like competition, but you like being way ahead of it at the moment. (laughs) It's not a competition unless we're winning. That's... I like that. It's not a competition unless you're winning. Okay. That, that kind of works. What else do you want to leave us with? I think uh, it's a really exciting time in the, in the digital world. Um, I think tech companies are getting more agile and nimble. Um, I think there's a whole bunch of technologies that are colliding. And interesting, I, I think the whole AirWatch um, VMware... Uh, ecosystem that they're creating um, is, is going to be really strong where, where a user in, a, in an enterprise situation will end up with five or six or maybe even ten apps that do specifically something and they do it really well. So I, I think the next tranche of, tranche of apps and, and enhancements in industry will be around single, single solutions that do something really well. And then there's the whole open openness around it. So let's say we have a communication platform. Um, Slack's a pretty good example of that. Those those integrated or those bespoke solutions need to be integrated well enough that they all talk together. And that's when when enterprises will really uh, get the value from the long term. So I'll take from that, and you know, I was going to wrap up, but you brought another question up. I'll take from that that you've built some nice APIs that you can actually use to open pieces of your functionality up for like communication channels and everything else yeah yeah. our whole premise is about being the open the open platform to 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 do that so we'll manage the security and the usage around the lower end of stuff we have um mobile apps that sit on top but they are using our api so anyone else could jump in and say oh we want something to do this fine he's he's the source you're, data. St- you're still using you guys as a back end but you guys make a better viewer a better ar piece great feel yeah. free yeah you might whatever your solution is um in fact a couple of the guys that we've talked to here have, have come around and said actually we only want to record defects in the construction um so can we use your back end of course that's what it's all about so, so last question. You know, you've been in MWC. It's day three. What are you seeing? What are you hearing from people? Anything that stood out to you, either from people coming up, and if you've had a chance to walk around? Um, I've had a chance to walk around. I think, uh, I think there's a whole bunch of technology now that's that's um, maturing, but there's still enough little gems in there that that haven't quite hit their mark yet. Um, I think there's a whole piece around security and um, single sign-on and, and making using apps frictionless that a lot of guys are focusing on now. Um, I mean, Apple has Touch ID. Samsung's got a, an equivalent solution. Um, that That's the cool stuff. There's also a number of things around inter- the IoT play um, that, that suits not, sits nicely with us. And... It's the whole collaboration, I think. There's a lot of people talking about collaboration in the marketplace and, and to come to these events and see that from vendors is, is really cool. So, Excellent. Randall, I want to really thank you for taking the time. Listeners, enjoy. We will put up uh, Red Eyes, both their Twitter account and their website uh, account so you can take a look. You can contact Randall if you have questions or comments, and this will be out a couple weeks after MWC.